we are and where we need to go, that is, apply your word to our lives, and that we would indeed trust in you more than in anyone else, love you more than anyone else or anything else, knowing that you are Savior and that we would take this message to those around us. We ask that you guide us now as we look to your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we briefly discussed the often misunderstood ministry of Jesus, and I'd like to go back to that and discuss how uh, there was an extreme judgment against the religious leaders and really all those who saw and heard or heard Jesus preach and see what he miraculously did that pointed to the reality and the truth uh, of Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus being the one that the Father had sent to be the Savior of the world. And I want to go back to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 is a key passage where we see a shift in the ministry of Jesus. And, you know, last week as I was talking about overall the ministry of Jesus and how people rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his message, especially the religious leaders who should have known. Um, I, was, I was talking and I was mentioning how, you know, he was misunderstood. And I kind of put my, myself out on a, a chopping block there because I asked the ladies, have you ever been misunderstood? You know, like asking someone, you know, a question and them not giving you the right response, as in, how does my hair look? Uh, have you ever been misunderstood? Men, have you? Uh, men, of course, know the right answer, right? With no time delay in that answer, okay? But anyway, uh, but have you ever been misunderstood? Uh, there's a teacher, uh, the teacher says, give me a sentence uh, to one of the boys. Give me a sentence which includes the words defense, defeat, and detail. Have you seen this? Uh, so the, the student says, Charlie says, when a horse jumps over defense, defeat goes first and then detail, right? Well, that's what he heard. Of course, defense is spelled wrong up there. But he saw, he heard defense. So he misunderstood the teacher. Sadly, in Scripture, it's not just a, just a hearing and a misunderstanding. It's a heart issue. And sadly today, it's a heart issue of the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus was more than just misunderstood. Jesus was outright being rejected. And, and since he was being rejected, he pointed out to them how he will give them the most powerful sign, which would be another condemnation against them. So would you follow along in Matthew 12, 38 through 45? Matthew 12, 38 through, 30, through 45, pardon me. Then... Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, 
so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. And now with 43 through 45, we'll talk about it just briefly. It needs to be understood in the whole context of this whole chapter. And I'll not get in ahead of myself here for a minute, but it needs to be understood and stood in that light, um, as well as some other key truths that we can learn from it. But what we find here is we shouldn't follow the religious leaders. We shouldn't, you know, we can understand and relate to a lot of uh, difficulties and a lot of uh, hard-heartedness in the New Testament and the Old. But let us not be that way. Let us be people who understand and accept the truth of who Jesus is. And so here in this passage... We see the sign of Jonah. What, we, what I'd like you to take away at least, a little bit of what you ought to take away is that Jesus' highest quality or degree, his unprecedented or majestic sign must lead us to a powerful life of faith. To a powerful life of faith. And there are two responses we should have to the truth that, that has been laid out for us. First, we must trust God's supremacy. And I really do think a lot of what Josh said, whether I relate it to you uh, well in my message or not, does relate to what he said. (laughs) And this time of year, as you think about uh, Passover and Easter, there's a lot of truth, a lot of uh, wonderful, powerful Uh, illustrations there that should challenge us to live a powerful life of faith, Uh, seeing the failures of others as well as seeing the power, the supremacy of God. But there's two responses here, and, and the first response should be to trust God's supremacy, right? To trust God who is all powerful, whose plan is perfect, whose will is perfect. And, and so his will is perfect, but these religious leaders, and especially look at 38 and 39 here in Matthew 12, and really the whole chapter, they wanted it their way. <laughs> How many times do we want it our way? How many times do I want it my way as a pastor even? I want it my way. 
And so they're saying to him in 38, we want to see a sign from you. And last week, remember, we looked at all of these things taking place. There had been several times where they had seen what Jesus had done, whether these are different religious leaders who have come along after the fact, after the feeding of the 4,000, or after the feeding of the 5,000, or after the fact of the healing of the demonic man, or the hand here early in the chapter where they challenged Jesus and, and were challenging him on the fact that he's doing things on the Sabbath, and yet he went ahead and healed them, the man's hand and said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And yet, seeing his miraculous signs, they still want a sign. Here it, it, is, it is stated that maybe this is an official uh, from Jerusalem. The Pharisees <laughs> have come and made an official demand to have him prove his, how he is the Messiah. These, again, are the religious leaders of Israel. It is stated that Pharisees would have to learn all their lies and not able to really become one that's known as a religious leader or a Pharisee and go out and teach and do many things and be noticed by the public until they were at, of the age of 30 or later. They were, were to be learning uh, all their lies, but up to that point in time, they had no position until they were 30. These were strict, hardcore, zealous, precise, or what they would say precise in their understanding of the law and the Talmud, all the Jewish rabbinical teachings, all the religious teachings of their day. So they were precise. What were they wanting here? <laughs> well, they should have known that Jesus is the Messiah from Scripture. They wanted to see more proof, but they would not get the proof that they want because they would never turn. <laughs> they should have known. Uh, Wiersbe states that if Jesus had given them a sign, then he would have uh, done the will of man and not the will of God. He, he would have given in to their demands to do it their way, right? Which is where we get it that they wanted it their way. They wanted something on a grand scale, perhaps, right? I mean, maybe the sun stopping. There was teachings of, of a rabbi who was no, known because as someone and his teachings were accepted because he made water run backwards uh, and he made a wall lean and there were some other things that he had done. <laughs> that was the story. Maybe they were looking for the... For, uh, the prophecy of Joel 2, 30 and 31 to come true at that point in time where it says, I will display wonders in the sky and on earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Maybe they were wanting to see some celestial, I mean, something in the sky to prove that Jesus is the Messiah Regardless, it wasn't enough for them. If Jesus would have done it, he, he would have catered to their unbelief and allowed them to, to set the standards for faith because he had already fulfilled Scripture and the proofs to point out that he is the Messiah. God's will is perfect. His plan is perfect. Him sending his son, Jesus Christ, the father sending Jesus, 
And Jesus' ministry was perfect. And Jesus' ministry was perfect because he obeyed the will of the Father and not the will of man. Not the will of Satan, remember? Matthew chapter 4, Satan comes along and tempts Jesus. He wants Jesus to do it his way. Here they want Jesus to do it their way. How many times do we want the Lord God to do things our way? Oh, it's okay to pray. We better pray. <laughs> More than okay to pray. But when God tells us no or to wait, what is our response? His plan. Not only is his will perfect, but that includes his plan. It's not only perfect, but it's powerful. And yet it wasn't enough for them. I think context is crucial in this passage as well, but look, notice verse 38, they want a sign from him. In 39, he, he answers them. Jesus answers and said, you're an evil. He says, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. In Matthew 12, 13 through 14, we find that they were willf willfully blind and spiritually unfaithful. As Jesus pointed out, he's the Lord of the Sa Sabbath. And in his pronouncement in 22 through 37, I would love to read through that, but we're going to keep moving. But there's a pronouncement against them because at that moment in time, they blasphemed the Holy Spirit because they said, well, by Satan you cast out demons saying holy spirit satan they're denying not only the testimony of the spirit and the power of the holy spirit to that that gave jesus the power to do these things was by satan it's blasphemy of the spirit if you don't accept the testimony of the holy spirit you will never accept jesus there is a hardness of heart you notice his ministry begins to change. Chapter 13, we see parables. <laughs> They've already been blind. He's going to begin to pe teach in parables. No sign will be given to them that they want other than the sign of Jonah. God, I like what John MacArthur says, God is not in the business of bending himself to satisfy the whims of evil people who have no relationship to him. They would not get what they want. It, what God had given them was not enough. But God is supreme. God is in control. God is sovereign. We as people who say we've trusted in Jesus as our Savior, do we trust him? Do we trust in his provision? You know, There's, there's a lot in this passage we could go over, but I think it's very important for us to see this is a great sign. There's not a greater sign than what Jesus would give of, of his death, burial, and resurrection. His superlative sign that should lead us to a powerful life of faith, of obedience, of relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to learn from the error of these folks' way, these religious leaders, and trust in Jesus, trust in the Lord God and his plans. He has a perfect will. He is powerful. There's 
it was as easy as that, right? I'm not a very good dancer, remember? Sometimes it's not the far out knowing what's going to happen out far out above ahead of us, but the moment by moment daily things that we must decide. Hopefully we're walking in a relationship with him or dancing with the Lord so we know where he's wanting us to go, to move, following his lead. But second, trust his imminence or Jesus' greatness. Not only his supremacy, but his, his powerful greatness. Or his greatness comes from the statement that there's someone greater than Jonah. There's someone greater than Solomon here. And so 1240 through 45, we find that Jesus' message is potent. That is, it had great power, influence, or effect, but it still wasn't suitable for them. That is, let's make a comparison between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah did not want to go and preach to the Ninevites. These Assyrians were cruel, cruel, cruel people. He'd rather see them burned. Is there anybody in our lives that we just rather don't care to be around? Maybe they're the one you're supposed to reach. God's saying to Jonah, go reach them. Jonah tries to go the opposite way. Gets swallowed by a great fish or a whale. And God has that whale or great fish spit him up on the dry shore. He goes and he preaches to the Ninevites. After he preaches, you know, I wonder about his message. Sometimes they're like, okay, we've got to show love, and then they'll listen. And, and I'm not saying that's, that's not the case. We've got to do it all in love. We need to be backing up the proclamation of the word with how we live in love and what we do, loving acts of kindness. But it's interesting, Jonah had none of that. <laughs> he just... Pr- he just bleh, threw it out there at him, right? I mean, his attitude was, I hope that they die. I hope they burn. I'm going to go sit up on this hill and watch them burn, right? But they believed. This unloving, uncompassionate message. And when you look at Matthew, when Jesus had looked across the, at the masses, he had compassion. He had love. And his message was profound. And these Pharisees, these religious leaders, would not believe in him. His message was potent. <laughs> I mean, look at the message that we, what we read in the Word of God. Powerful message. Someone greater than Jonah was here, and they would not listen to this greater message than what Jonah had given. Now, some get hung up on this and say, well, it's not true because, you know, he says three days and three nights. Um, The Jewish Talmud held that any part of the day is as a whole. So Jesus was simply using a common, well-understood generalization on the third day, he would rise again. Is the best way to understand it in our vernacular. So it was not uh, a misstatement by Jesus. But regardless here, while Jonah had no compassion, Jesus had compassion. While Jonah's message was profound, without compassion, Jesus' message was very, very powerful with compassion. And yet these people 
these religious leaders would not believe. And his work was profound, but not enough for them. I'm going to skip down to the bottom. We understand the sign of Jonah. It will be profound uh, in the sense that Jesus would be raised again on the third day, just as Jonah was, was swallowed and spit up on the third day. Jesus, the same. He would be swallowed by the grave and death, but he would conquer the grave. Jonah was saved by, by God. Jesus was saved by his almighty power. There's a lot to that statement that we can evaluate sometime if you want to. But Luke 16, 31, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, uh, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. This is in this story about uh, the, the Lazarus, the rich man and the poor man. Jesus in that story said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded. Even if someone rises from the dead, Jesus had fulfilled the testimony and the prophecy, and they still rejected him. They rejected his message. They rejected the work, and even the work of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. Jesus' wisdom is overwhelming but discarded by them. Now let's look, evaluate. Notice, uh, we didn't get into it, but Nineveh will rise up again and condemn you because you guys didn't, you're not looking to the reality of the potency and the power of the message and the work of Jesus Christ while they believed in Jonah's simple message. And then 42, the queen of the south, very rich, Came from a long way. She came a long way to hear Solomon, and yet these Pharisees just came out not to listen and to learn as the Queen of the South did to Solomon and to give gifts, but to find his weakness, to try to condemn. She came a long, long way. She came bearing expensive gifts. She valued Solomon's teaching. They did none of this. And so she will stand in judgment against them. I pray that we don't discard the message, the work, and the wisdom of our risen Savior. The question for us today, is Jesus enough? Have you turned to Jesus by faith? Seeking forgiveness of your sins. Has the word of God taught you his great teachings? Has the word of God showed you his wonderful works and wisdom? Again, have we turned to Jesus by faith? John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Do we know Jesus intimately? Head knowledge that leads to an heart acceptance of the gospel message and of Jesus asking him into our life, repenting of our sins, growing in our relationship with him, growing in an intimate, not only a head knowledge of the word, but an intimate relationship with him. I hope, husbands, that no one knows your wife better than you in the sense that you know her greatest needs her deepest sorrows, her greatest dreams. 
Do you know your wife intimately in that way? It's, it's hard. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm very good at it. But do we know Jesus? Not only what he says in his word, but do we understand what he's wanting us to do? Do we understand and have that relationship with him that we should have? Do we spend time talking to him? Bringing all requests before him? Are we living out our life to glorify him? Are we living out in such a way to proclaim the message? And then are we verbally proclaiming the message? If we don't have a powerful faith, a life of faith in Jesus, we're not going to have any of these things. We're not going to live a life proclaiming the message, a life of prayer, lived in prayer, a life of intimate relationship with Jesus. So how have I responded to Jesus? Have I turned to him by faith? And secondly, every day, am I sensitive to his leading? Are you? Am I? I'm working on it. If you think you've arrived, I think you need to reevaluate. I know. Some of you are doing far better than I am. How do I respond to Jesus daily, moment by moment? How do I respond? Because that shows how much I know him, how much I'm in prayer, how much I'm living for him, how much I'm proclaiming the message. Remember, defeat comes before details. Okay? Now understand Jesus. Know what he wants specifically. And do that in a relationship with him. Do that in obedience to him. What does he want you to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, uh, I come before you knowing that there's so many areas uh, that I need to grow in. There's so many areas we need to grow in, Lord. There's a lot of areas of weakness. Uh, there's a lot of areas of pride that I have. I want to cast that pride uh, at your feet. I want to grow and I want to sit at your feet instead of going about my business, I want to sit there enjoying every moment I have with you. That is, not that I'm going to sit there and do nothing, but as I sit there and grow and enjoy your re relationship with you, Lord, that I and we, as we do this, that we would know the next steps to take in this life that can be very harsh, can be very confusing, very concerning. But in all of it, if we walk with you, Lord, I understand we would live in victory. So we want to live a life of victory, proclaiming the truth. We ask for your help. We ask for your guidance. Help us to learn to trust in you more and more. I ask, Lord, that you bless each one as they go out today. Protect them. We thank you for the, the moisture, but we ask for your protection uh, in the rain. In Jesus' name. We have young men come forward, take up this morning's offerings.